For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we've got on a very special guest. I'm sure a lot of you will know him. This is Carl Benjamin, who is the editor-in-chief at LotusEaters.com. He's also a very well-known socio-political commentator and YouTube. He's been on the scene for many, many years, been on a lot of big podcasts, and happy to finally have him here on Real Talk with Zuby. How you doing, Carl? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm really no doubt, man. It's an it's an absolute pleasure. I was uh, we did an interview for your channel a while back. I think it was almost almost two years ago now. Back when the world was still somewhat normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back when we used to be able to do things like live shows and things like that. Exactly. The government oh, was making sure we couldn't do. Yeah. Anything. In fact, the last live event I did before the world went weird was the one with you and uh, Count Dankula. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed that one as well. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I, I really hope that in the future we can do another one. Just, yeah. you know, it would be <laughs> we'll nice. We'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah, we'll make it happen, man. So for people who may not be familiar with you, tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Um, I am the content creator, formerly known of Sargon of Akkad. I, 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 I kind of stumbled into political commentary, not because I had any particular interest or love of it, but because politics invaded my... Uh, domains my my areas of hobby and expertise and i was kind of resentful of the style of politics that was being introduced because i don't like racial politics i would never ever promote racial politics in any way and i can't stand that there seems to be a concerted effort by the left at this point mm -hmm. to actually kind of force a white identity onto white people and i really don't like it because mm -hmm. i don't hold a white identity you know like as a as a capital w white yeah. right because to me white is just a descriptive term that says oh my skin color is you know this particular way mm -hmm. but to me that doesn't inform my politics that's in fact antithetical to my politics i actually really believe that politics should be based on the things that you can control so it's your sort of interest politics so yeah. you can choose to join the labor party or the conservatives or ukip or the greens or whatever because of the policies that you believe that they they most align with your moral compass mm -hmm. uh, whereas if we go down the road of sort of racial politics and gender politics then you're going to have the woman party the man party the black party the white party and i don't i just don't want that you know that's to, to me that's anti-individualistic it's anti-liberal and it it's irrational you know, mm. it doesn't it doesn't open up the door for people to be able to explore and grow their own intellectual journey through life. And I think that's really important. And so I, I, I found myself um, a, a total political novice, really, uh, back in the day. I was uh, very well versed in history, but I wasn't very interested in modern politics because I was mm. just living my life. And so over the past sort of eight years or so, I think I've been doing this, mm. um, I've had to read a lot of books. I've had to learn a lot of new things and uh, and. It's been very interesting, the intellectual journey that I've been on, but I, I haven't fundamentally changed my moral compass, which I find interesting. So I think there are lots of people who sort of fall into new ways of thinking and then their moral compass just flips on its head and suddenly they're promoting like a quite a wild idea. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm still quite a believer in the, the sort of centrist mainstream politics that I was originally starting with. And I think that a lot of it comes from the fact that I'm married and I have kids and I've noticed that a lot of um, very online internet activists aren't, and they don't have any dependents or any people, any like real world friendship networks that they spend time with who are outside of their internet interests. And so it gives them quite a, a mono view on the world. And so they get quite obsessive about the one topic and get to quite extreme positions. And I think that when you're actually more in the real world than not, uh, then you get 
all these other things pulling on you that make demands on you and justified demands. And yeah. so you, you can't really afford to become a monomaniacal zealot for any one particular <laughs> point, you know? And yeah. I think that's more healthy than the alternative. Do you think it's weird how this happens to anyone who's any sort of public figure, especially online, but given all the things that you just said, for example, I'm sure that there will be people out there who don't even know that you're a husband and father of three children and that you do exist in the real world, right? Because you've really built your persona and your following and spread your ideas using the power of the internet and YouTube in particular. So just like people do to anyone from Joe Rogan to Jordan Peterson to myself to yourself, a lot of people create this, I call it an avatar, right? An avatar Mm -hmm. of who they think you are, which also includes what they think you believe and what they think you stand for, etc. So if someone were to do a couple quick Google searches or to talk to certain people about, oh, who's this Carl Benjamin guy, they may come away with a picture that is extremely inaccurate from who you actually are and what you actually believe, etc. So I guess, number one, what has that been like for you as someone who didn't necessarily set out to become as well known as you are now? What's it been like over that past eight years to see yourself kind of metamorphot? Ah, I can't use the word transform. Yeah, <laughs> so transform in pe- yeah, thing, transform yeah. in people's brains into I, what they think you are. I think you're absolutely right about it, this. It, it's a kind of deification, right? It's mm. and I, I'm not suggesting I deserve or anything like that. What I'm saying is, it people create, as you say, like an avatar of you. And that becomes something separate to you. And it's not something that you directly influence because it's kind of crowdsourced from amongst a a number of different people. And it's often very inaccurate because the people who end up contributing to this avatar are people who are oppositional to you and have an interest in saying things that aren't true, frankly, Uh, and being, uh, and they do this through, uh, the principle of uncharity, unlike the principle of charity that most intellectually honest people try and promote, they they go out of the way to be as uncharitable as possible. And this can be from deceptively edited clips for, to outright false clips. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the Daily Mail ran a piece on me that had a sentence from me that I had never said, that they yeah. had combined from three different live streams in three different times. And it's like, so, I mean, these were like two or three hour conversations and you took you know, one sentence there, one sentence there, and one sentence there. And this is supposed to represent something I believe. It's Mm -hmm. obvious nonsense. And so this is quite a difficult thing. And it's not a partisan thing either. Both sides do this. Uh, AOC is not as bad as the right wing makes her out. And of course, you know, whatever right wing figure that you want to choose is nowhere near as bad as the left will make out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it probably is a product of the internet. It's, I mean, it's definitely going to be something that's happened in previous eras, but the access to information that we now have allows this to be done to anyone, absolutely yeah. anyone. Uh, there's, a, there's a very uh, a new, like small YouTube channel called Voice of Wales that has recently been receiving BBC coverage uh, because they were, quote, accused of racism. And it's like, okay, well, that, that's hardly worth an article these days, is it? Who isn't accused of racism in this day and age? Like, what is not racist? We've come to the point where our entire civilization is being, is being accused of being <laughs> racist. So, like, I, you know, but, but why are they doing it? You know, why are they creating an avatar of this small, like, homespun Welsh YouTube channel? Mm. Good question. And I won't delve into it, but the, the point is you can see it, the process in real time because yeah. individual, like, data points will be taken. Oh, here was uh, one section they said there, one section they said there, one section they said there. And th- this was um, really most apparent with, like, the death of Rush Limbaugh. Um, the people mm. who were celebrating, openly celebrating his death yeah. and putting out quotes of his you know have never listened to his radio show. You yeah. know that these people actively avoided his radio show. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you got him in an interview with someone, uh, a radio host called Charlemagne the God, and Charlemagne was surprised that Rush Limbaugh seemed to want to find concordance on yes. certain points. You know, he had it in his head that, oh, this was an evil racist who wanted to be nothing but oppositional and wanted only pain and suffering for the black community or whatever misrepresentations had been promoted. And it's not to say that Rush Limbaugh didn't help himself 
by being a, a bit of a sh political shock jock. And right. I, I'm saying as someone who has, in his time, been a bit of a political shock jock, that, you know, right. this doesn't help yourself. But it's often hard to know in advance that that's going to be the case, uh, especially if you're not necessarily very familiar with political commentary. And so, I, and I was thinking about this the other day, it's remarkable how rare it is even though the internet exists and anyone could sit down over Zoom and Skype and whatever and just have a conversation, it's incredible how rare it is to see these sort of across-the-aisle conversations. And I think that if they actually did happen more often, then we probably wouldn't have the, the politics of demonization that we have mm -hmm. now. Um, but unfortunately, it seems that it's people on the right who actually want to have this kind of engagement and commitment to what I think we could just describe as the democratic process. Sure. And it seems to be people on the left who refuse it. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's all people on the right or all people on the left. It's just the general trend of the, the movements themselves. Yeah. And I think that's what's got to be overcome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one really interesting observation that I've made over the past, let's say, 15 years is that though you know i i specifically try not to use the terms the left and the right kind of because yeah. i don't really want to play into a false dichotomy but when the labels conservative and liberal they really seem to have switched round in terms of actual meaning so now a lot of people who call themselves liberal are people who want restrictions on free speech and who think that you should be forced to wear a mask right now or forced perhaps even to take a vaccine inject a substance into your body the their people are calling themselves liberal and they are supporting deplatforming and they're supporting censorship and they're shutting down people and they're promoting intolerance and then through this whole you know weird branch of progressivism they're actively promoting various forms of racism sexism misogyny homophobia etc and I very much feel like in the UK and perhaps even in the USA in 2021, being a liberal is now a conservative position and so-called liberals or certainly progressives in a lot of ways, they're a lot more, dare I say, conservative than the people. There's just there's been this inversion that's happened throughout my lifetime. And I don't know, I guess, one, if you've seen the same thing. And to what that, how that's happened and what that means. I have seen exactly the same thing, and I totally agree with you. Uh, fundamentally, I, you're exactly right on the left-right dichotomy. It, they're essentially just tribal labels at mm -hmm. this point. Because exactly as you say, I saw a comment on just, you know, scrolling through Facebook feed. And someone had just commented, uh, the conservatives conserve things in the same way that the Labour Party care about workers. And it's like, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. It's, the, the, these, these are just words now they're not filled with meaning and content mm. you know and you you're you're absolutely right i mean it, the 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 fact that you have people calling themselves liberals who are arguing for restrictions on freedoms yeah. and you have the conservative position is now we are for freedom we are yeah. for <laughs> <laughs> like it, it it's very interesting how this has turned around yeah. um and and i i think you're i think you're completely right about banning left and right because we should return to a more sort of political science description of what we're dealing with mm -hmm. uh, because when you when you say liberal there is like the political scientists infuse that with a kind of content that is lost in the public dialogue because it's just taken to mean left mm -hmm. but the thing is from the position of someone who is like a doctrinaire leftist if they're a marxist a communist a socialist whatever it is they will tell you that liberalism is a right-wing philosophy because it's mm -hmm. built on property rights and it mm -hmm. believes in personal freedom and autonomy and, and freedom from the state mm -hmm. whereas the socialist or the communist doesn't actually believe that and so for the fact that for these two people to be incorporated into the sort of you know the democratic party under say aoc and joe biden yeah. if they're they're both sort of representatives of those views it and aoc came out and said this like in a sensible country i wouldn't be in the same party as joe biden it's like yeah it's there's true. no reason that you would be why why would you be you yeah. know you don't fundamentally actually believe the same things and the conservatives themselves i mean i don't even know what they think conservatism is at this point <laughs> I, like I don't know. I mean, like see, watching the British Conservatives put out LGBTQ flags it's, and Black Lives Matter. <laughs> like, what? What are you doing? This is communism yeah. that you're promoting in another guise. Why are you doing this? Yeah. You know. So, so yeah, I, I think you're completely right. The, the language we use to describe politics has become completely muddled. Mm. And how useful is that? 
Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that the labels are even... Maybe at this stage, sometimes I wonder, do these labels do more harm than good? Are the, do the labels still have real meaning? Mm. When people say liberal, conservative, even left, right, and and then especially with the internet, because I, I even think these labels mean somewhat different things from country to country. I don't think the word liberal in the UK means the exact same thing it does in the USA. I don't think the word conservative means the same thing in the USA as in the UK, let alone all the other countries. So I often wonder if maybe we're all like anyone who uses these labels, are we maybe sort of just creating even more confusion at this point? Or do you think there's a way that they can even be useful? What would be the best way to even describe politics these days? Does it? I I think that we have to use labels, right? Mm. So we, we have to use labels as a shorthand for a long conversation that we're trying to avoid by just establishing our position, right? Yeah. So, you know, you you could say, well, I, I believe in preserving the traditions and culture of, of England as as inherited from the past. And you'd say, okay, well, I'm a conservative, surely. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you are an advocate of individual rights and personal freedoms. And so you call yourself a liberal or you're interested in wealth redistribution. So you're a socialist. Mm-hmm. So the, you, you can... I, I think we can't do without the terms and labels. Uh, the problem is, I think that, and I, I don't know how accidental this has been. I think there might have been a deliberate attempt to essentially conceal the nature of certain ideologies uh, within others. Um, mm. For example, the liberal, and, and and this is, I think, the real fundamental crux of any problem that we've come to in Western Enlightenment thought is the origin of rights. Uh, the, mm. the, the liberal, the classical liberal and the conservative will have a different but similar view on where rights come from. Mm-hmm. The conservative is more likely to be religious and will say, well, rights are imbued in us by God. Mm-hmm. The liberal is more likely to be uh, scientifically minded and will say, well, our rights are natural and inherited from nature. And then the socialist will say our rights are constructed by the state. Yes. And that's interesting because that's a very different paradigm. The liberal and the conservative, very overlapping. You know, whether you think God created nature or you think it was a natural process that came out of the Big Bang or whatever theory you have of it. If you believe that rights are intrinsic to us, then you can't create new rights. Mm-hmm. The rights are what the rights are and what we need yep. to do is preserve and protect them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're a socialist, you can create new rights all day because what you're actually talking about is an entitlement. You're talking yes. about the state providing through taxpayer money and the labor that they hire with it, uh, a service. And it's a, it could be a universal service, a mandatory service. It could be any kinds of things. But the point is, it's not intrinsic to you. And so yeah. our concept of rights, we use the term rights all the time, every day mm-hmm. of our lives. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a clear understanding of it. And when you realize that you've got these two contradictory opinions that are operating and circulating in political discourse, mm. you, you realize that actually that's the conversation we need to have because that has to be sorted out because yes. I'm actually completely in favor. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a liberal, a, a sort of classical liberal, but I do see the pragmatic benefit of having something like a social safety net, a universal mm-hmm. healthcare system, mm-hmm. uh, things like this. And I, I do agree that they can be created and constructed as entitlements. So as citizens, we can grant these entitlements to ourselves because we think they're useful, but that doesn't make them rights. Anything that requires someone else's labor by my definition as a liberal, Mm -hmm. isn't a natural right and therefore Mm -hmm. isn't a right at all. Because at the end of the day, really, if the system broke down, then you'd see that your rights are definitely not what is constructed by the state. But also, it gives the state the position that God and nature occupy in these other philosophies. And I think that's where the totalitarian catastrophes of the 20th century lie. I think Mm -hmm. they spring directly from that idea and come out as fascism, communism, and socialism. And it's not to say that the people who occupy this, what I'm just calling sort of the continental mindset of the rights being constructed by the state, it's not that these are bad people. I just think they are deeply misled and they haven't really interrogated these ideas thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that they think that they can just deny the 20th century happened and try and reconstruct the same ideology by just sort of sidestepping and swerving around this huge problem. Because in anyone else's view, if your ideas, if you were like, yeah, I've got these great ideas, I wrote them down. And someone's like, oh yeah, that sounds a lot like Nazism, actually. That ended up with a Holocaust and massive, in, you know, world war and it was terrible. You'd be like, oh, Maybe I need to rethink these ideas. But instead, mm-hmm. the socialists, they just go around it and they go, well, we don't care about what happened in China or what happened in the Soviet Union or Cuba or 
Cambodia or why, Vietnam. Why is that? I've, I've noticed the exact same thing. Why is that? Is that an ignorance of history or is it some sort of cognitive dissonance? Why why do people just overlook that, especially given this is all in the last hundred years? So yeah, why are people within so... living memory? Yeah. Like Joe Biden lived through the Chinese famines yeah. and the Soviet famines, you mm-hmm. know, so it's like this, this is not ancient history. And that's a really good question. I think there are, there's a series of reasons um, that all have a kind of dovetailing effect to come together to present this kind of denialism. Um, the first one is probably historical illiteracy and um, the effect of propaganda. Uh, the, the socialist regimes of the 20th century weren't exactly fans of broadcasting the idea that millions of people were dying under their watch. And so, excuse me, they, they would do everything they can to conceal this information. And in, in the same way that China is now with the Uyghurs, in fact, you know, they're not mm-hmm. happy that this information is getting out and they publicly deny it. Yep. Um, and then you, again, Joe Biden will just say something like, this is just a, a cultural, cultural difference. difference. Yeah, it's, it's like, no, that's not how it works. And Trudeau is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's definitely the ignorance that is a factor. Um, but then there is also uh, a kind of ideological justification. Uh, I've, I've seen many socialists debating the fact that actually the starvation of the Kulaks was kind of their fault for not cooperating with mass collectivization. It's like, okay, so wow. that's... That's a very interesting blaming the victim sort of perspective. Think of a take, yeah. But then I think there's something more to it that underlies the whole thing. Um, I think this is the problem with um, left-wing enlightenment politics generally that is a kind of presupposition that political, uh, like good politics can be presupposed before we interact with reality, right? So mm-hmm. the, this is what we could call political correctness. That the, the, the idea that underpins that is that there is a correct politics. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, that doesn't really make very much sense because if politics is the management of power in society, which I think is a fair description of what it is, um, and that's why we care about things like representative democracy, because we want power to be uh, imbued into people we've elected that we can remove whenever we want and to be representative of the interests of the people, um, then what you're talking about is something that's necessarily in the world. You know, it's something that is physical. I need to look at them, I need to look at them, I need to look at them, and we, we need to decide how this is all going to be managed. So I can't, before looking at anything, decide already what the correct politics is. I can't mm. just sit there in my room and just dream up the correct politics, come to the political arena, and then be like, well, it's nothing like I said it should be. But, well, who the hell are you? Why would your yeah. opinion matter? You know, like, why would you think that you could, in abstract, plan out the correct politics and then blame the world for not being as you expected it to be? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make any sense. But I think that's what the communists have actually done. They've assumed that actually a world like John Lennon's Imagine, where wouldn't it be nice if we all just had, you know, open borders, we didn't have any property, and everyone was happy and healthy, and they weren't starving for, you know, various reasons. Wouldn't that be nice? It's like, um, well, I mean, maybe... But is that going to happen? And yes. does that happen from communism? And the answer is no, it doesn't happen. You get the complete opposite where millions of people die through starvation and wars and the, the societies themselves are tyrannized and they try to change the, the nature of what it is to be a human into being Marx's new man, you know, mm-hmm. and things like this, the new Soviet man. And it, it all turns into a giant Orwellian dystopia uh, that's horrible. And then when you get to that point, it's like, yeah, but that's not what I had in mind. It's like, okay. I'm <laughs> sure that wasn't. I'm sure that wasn't what you had in mind. But unfortunately, reality doesn't really care what you have in mind. It cares yeah. about what's actually happening. And so I, I think the very notion of political correctness is a falsehood. I don't think there is a correct politics. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's the thing that allows the socialists to just duck around the catastrophe and let that fade into the distance as if it's nothing to do with them. Yeah, maybe. It's really interesting that every time people strive to create a utopia, inevitably... Every single time, every single place, yeah. it ends up with a dystopian nightmare. And I think there are two types of people in the world. And well, there's more than two types of people in the world. But I think that there is an interesting dichotomy that I've observed, which I think typically sort of falls into what people do refer to as the left and right spectrum mm-hmm. for the most part. And I feel like those who tend to lean right are more... I'm generalizing a little bit here, but tend to compare things to history and reality and other places in the world. They they tend to compare to reality rather than comparing to an imagine an imaginary utopian 
vision, right? So yes. for, take, take for example, take for an example, if you ask someone who's more right-leaning, more conservative, is, is the UK a racist country or is the USA a racist country? Typically, they're going to lean towards saying no. Or if, or if they ask a follow-up question, they'll say, well, compared to what, right? Are you comparing to, compared to history? Absolutely not. Compared to other countries in the world, assuming you've traveled a little bit, absolutely not, right? If you've traveled and you know history, you'll know that we live in one of the least racist countries in the entire world at the least racist time period in history ever, right? So by that, by that, I would say, no, the UK is not a racist country. Whereas if you ask someone who's more left-leaning, and I think the further left you go, the more likely they are to say yes, and then they will compare it to unicornia where there is no racism at all and there is no sexism at all and everyone can identify as what they want and there's no discrimination and minimum wage that is fifty dollars an hour and everything is perfect etc so it leads to like a really different interpretation of reality where two people can both be living in the same country and experiencing the same thing i can talk to some black people i know and they're convinced that the uk is very racist and that at every level every structure, et cetera. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, do we live in the same, do we live in the same country? And and I've traveled the UK more than you have. And I've spoken to more people in the UK more than you have. Like if someone was going to experience a lot of you racism in the, in this country, I mean, I've been everywhere from Isle of Wight to Glasgow, Swansea to Norwich. I've spoken to hundreds of thousands of British people. I'm like, man, if these people are raging racists, they're not they're not doing it very well um you know like they're not they're not doing it very well and then also i'm like well again what, you know so what are you comparing to like what other yeah, countries have yeah. you been to last year in china they were banning black people from mcdonald's and shopping centers because they were yep. claiming that africans spread coronavirus like can you can you even imagine something like that happening in the uk impossible it would be and and rightly so don't get yeah, me wrong yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, i'm course. not complaining of that course, would be yeah. impossible <laughs> Uh, you know, but it, 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 it rightly so impossible because that's just not the way that we want to operate our society. We're not no. we're not collectivist. We're, we're individualist, and that's to our credit. But I I find it really interesting you say about utopias because the the term utopia was meant to be a derogatory sort of you know uh, joke almost. That it, mm. You know what, what are you doing? You're trying to find a perfect world, and then they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. It's like no, it's not a great <laughs> idea. But the, 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 it's a really interesting point that you make about the conservatives. And the idea of a conservative utopia is always in the past, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So the, the conservatives have rose-tinted rose glasses for that which was. And so they want to not radically change things because you're trying to preserve, surely. I mean, I'm not a conservative myself, but this is what mm -hmm. I understand from their position. Um, they, they, they're trying to preserve that which is, right? And because it's inherited from that which was. And so you you don't want to to get rid of that because that's the thing that's precious to you. Mm -hmm. Whereas the, the left wing has the opposite opinion, which was that which was is worse, really bad, you know? And in some ways it was worse. Um, and in some ways, maybe not. But... Um, but they've got in the future this ideal point that they think they'll get to, which is deeply ironic. Because as you said, you know, no one will suffer racism or sexism or transphobia. But then if you actually look at left-wing discussions around these ideas, oh <laughs> you realize, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. you know, exactly. You, you, really, you realize there's no consensus here at all. Yep. You know, it, it is not immediately clear what a, a world without transphobia looks like. Mm -hmm. Because there are left, like, in the, 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 the example of transphobia is a really good one. Because... Even the very nature of physical transitions from being from physically male to modifying one's body to be physically female through surgery and hormones, that in and of itself could be seen as a transphobic act mm -hmm. because that implies that there is an essential gender and like biological basis for a gender role underneath it. Why do you want breasts to be mm -hmm. a woman? Mm -hmm. You know, unless you're saying that breasts are a biological an essential biological component of being yes. a woman and therefore that is a transphobic thought in and of itself and this mm -hmm. is the kind of quagmire so that you know they're, they're like <laughs> we want utopia it's like well, what does that look like uh, we're not sure actually don't know yeah. what it looks like but we definitely want to get there and it's like right okay i'm i'm not saying that i want to go back to like the conservative like you know 1800s 1900s or anything like that no mm -hmm. you know that doesn't sound very appealing either but then this weird like pseudo intellectual quagmire where they don't know where they want to go or what it is even they they think they can establish that doesn't sound very appealing either yeah. um i i'm i'm very much for like uh just just 
try and be virtuous to be honest mm, I, I'm, mm. I'm very much on the sort of aristotle kick at the moment where it's like look just look at your life as like a, a a whole human life right and what do you want out of that life and you want surely to be successful to have family to have friends to engage intellectually with the world and to be active and to be you know a rounded human being right don't be don't be don't focus on one thing be a rounded human being and strangely this requires me to go back two and a half thousand years to the ancient Greeks, to Aristotle, where they, they're looking at the world in a different way to the way we look at the world now, because the way we look at the world now is very immediate. You know, it's very, mm. um, in what's in front of you. And that's, that's really interesting. Cause like Aristotle would never have said that that's a happy man. You know, you never point to Zuby and say, Zuby's a happy man because you haven't died yet. And mm. so you don't know that tomorrow, some terrible catastrophe won't befall you that ruins everything in your life and leaves you impoverished and crippled and begging on the streets and so mm. it, you know, not happy man you know and so that would be, you would be actually a tragic figure you know you'd you'd been you'd you'd gone to the gym you built yourself up you built a, a great online presence you know you've got loads of people who respect you you've got lots of friends and then suddenly the gods take all of that away from you mm. you know that would be a tragic story and so when you look at it in a more like stretched out view of what a human life is you realize that if I mean, for example, I'm, I basically wasted my 20s uh, because I was never encouraged to think about the future. I was never encouraged to think, actually, you know, you've got to build something here. And if you don't build something, you'll end up with nothing. Mm. And so it's up to you to, to choose the direction of your life. And I wish I had been. And it's not my parents' fault because they, like, I mean, it is, you know, but it, it's, it's not any, it, <laughs> but, but no, no, it's, it's not even their fault because that's basically what my dad said to me. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really take him seriously because of all of these social forces that were pressing on me say, and saying, look, you don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. Your dad's an old fuddy-duddy. What does he know? Mm -hmm. but, well, it turns out he knew more than they did, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I do think that a reimagining of what it means to be um, like a happy and flourishing person is much more useful than trying to drive down to this idea where we can find a perfect crystalline version of reality where everyone slots into place and then nothing needs to change anymore. Mm -hmm. A, I don't think that's realistic. And B, it doesn't sound good. I think it sounds no. awful, you know? Yeah. I, I think um, there's, there's a concept you mentioned earlier, which was the inversion of the principle of charity and you called it the principle of uncharity i think i yes. might actually start using that because that's every day on twitter but i think it, that right. it's an entire platform <laughs> yeah it, it, it literally created a thought in my head of something that I, i've been thinking about for a while and this will lead into sort of even censorship and deplatforming mm. and all that kind of stuff which is i think that this principle of uncharity is for a while i think a lot of the division and polarization has also stemmed from it being applied on mass, not just to individuals, but to entire um, socio-political philosophies. So let's say if we're going to use these labels, conservative, liberal, um, progressive, socialist, capitalist, etc. Um, I think that a lot of time, I think, it, I mean, it's a given that there is a lot of truth on every side of the political spectrum. So even if I'm talking to some someone who believes in something I'm really opposed to, I don't know, a Marxist, okay? Yeah. There are kernels of truth in some of their philosophy, right? They're, they're not wrong about everything, right? If they're saying, oh, you know, there could be um, a situation where a, a capitalist who's running a company exploits his workers or mistreats them badly, or um, there can be some issues with so much money or capital, you know, flowing to 0.1% of the population whilst mm -hmm. others are in part. It's like, right, like I can understand certain things. And it's obvious that in society, there are always things in culture and society that you want to preserve or conserve. And there are things you want to change, right? Everybody is to some degree a conservative and a liberal and a progressive, etc. The label we apply may be the one that seems dominant, but even somebody who is a so-called progressive, they don't want to change everything, right? There are certain things yeah. that they're like, okay, well, yeah. that's working. Let's keep that working. Like, let's conserve that. The, the environmental that. movement springs to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, I mean, I don't think that climate can be prevented from changing. No. And yet that seems to be the main ethos behind it. Well, we've got to stop climate from changing. It's like, but how does that work? No, that's very no. conservative, isn't it? You know. Yeah, exactly. Well, conservation. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, cons conservation. Yeah. Um, but it's also interesting because I think that by people not being willing to, this is part of my 
my concern around deplatforming and censorship and people coming after free speech and people just being unwilling and immature about having discussions along the uh, across the aisle is that you you're then missing out on like, every human being has their blind spots. Yeah. Conservatives have their blind spots. Liberals have their blind spots. Progressives have their blind spots and only by talking to other people do those things get get revealed. So I can talk to someone who's like much more left leaning than I am and I'll say certain things and they're like, "Hmm, okay, I hadn't really hadn't really thought of it this way." Say for example, they're pushing for uh they're like, "Hey, the minimum wage should be brought up to $20 an hour." Yeah. And I'm like, "Wait, hang on. I'm coming at it from I'm coming Zuby libertarian perspective. I'm like, "Okay, think of this, think of that, think of that." And then they're like, again, if there's someone who's intellectually honest, they'll they'll at least have to go, "Hmm, okay, you're raising some interesting points here right and then as someone like me who thinks there should be no minimum wage right maybe someone who's more on that side could say okay well here's a case why there there should be at least something there exactly and and then you can kind of meet in the middle which is which is what we realistically always do we meet somewhere yeah. in the middle we don't live in a total 100% pure pure free market society we don't live in like a purely communistic society or totally conservative totally liberal etc yeah. it's always a balance and i think a big danger of people being unwilling to have those conversations or casting people out or wanting to kick people off this social media platform or deplatform this speaker etc is it it just narrows the window of people's own understanding not just about the world but also about the people living in it right mm -hmm. like if you are mm -hmm. if you're more right leaning and you never listen to, interact with, and you actively cast out everyone in your life who's more left-leaning or liberal, then you're 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 making yourself dumber, right? You're you're literally yes. narrowing down your own intellectual capacity by never challenging any ideas or just understanding people. And then it also creates eventually leads to demonization because people lose that empathy, right? You see that Rush Rush Limbaugh died a few days yep. ago. People are dancing on his grave, celebrating, etc. Like they don't even see him as a as a human being. They've decided that his politics, his views, etc. They're so bad that this is this this guy's not even a, he's not worth just a basic level of yeah. human dignity. No, and once no once people get to that, no. And once people get to that, I, I think you're in really. I find that deeply disturbing. That's when it's really dangerous territory. I, I think Gina Carano was right about. Um, her tweet about the demonization of a yeah. subsection of society leading up to the uh, catastrophe of Nazi Germany. I, and this is the thing is what she had said was tweeted out in 2018 by the Holocaust Museum. Uh, yeah, I saw that. They, they, yeah, they, they had said, look, you know, this, this is, it doesn't begin with death camps. It begins no. with stigmatization. It begins with otherizing. And this is what we're seeing happen to the MAGA movement by the now ascendant Democrats in mm -hmm. the United States. And it's been full on witch hunter mode as well, uh, like with the most extreme rhetoric. Yep. And, uh, and but I, th I think you raise a really good point about um, there being some truth to each position. Uh, because even I, maybe... I mean, I agree that obviously that that is true, but the 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 thing that I think is motivating people is the moral impulses that push them in that direction, and I think this is one way that the conservatives have actually kind of dropped the ball in the last like twenty years or so mm. is failing to make a a um, moral and almost redistributionist argument for conservatism because I think there actually is one to be made. Mm. You know, the free market allows people to gain access to resources that otherwise they wouldn't be able to get access to, and it enables them to actually be productive and things like this so there there is an argument there but it's always framed in a way that a left winger can't accept mm. even though when you go over to the left wing you realize that their understanding of economics is very very poor yeah. <laughs> um to be blunt and so they'll say things like well nobody should have more than you know nine nine hundred ninety nine million dollars yeah. like, <laughs> that's not what wealth means yeah. You know, wealth is not liquid capital. Yeah. Wealth is buildings, it's employees, it's it's process. You know, they, mm -hmm. I don't think like, oh, well, the businesses have all been shut down, therefore they can just redistribute money to their employees. It's like, no, business <laughs> is a, a system. It's like a river. You know, you yeah. dam the river and then you're like, where's the money? It's like, well, yeah. you stop the money by stopping the business, you know, but anyway. Yeah. When people are like, oh, you know, you're putting, you're, you're putting the economy over livelihoods. It's like, the economy no and livelihoods difference. are the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's no distinction there whatsoever. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a really firm point because and and this is this comes back to the bit I was saying about very rare to get the cross con, cross aisle conversations because these things would be instantly revealed in these conversations, right? You know, mm-hmm. anyone watching them would see where the even if in the moment the two people discussing wouldn't weren't aware of it, anyone watching from the sidelines would be like, right, okay, I can see the problem here, and yeah. you guys really need to be able to you know flesh this out, and so if, you know follow up conversations could be had, but that's that's not what seems to be going on and not what seems to be the driving force of things now and it's really annoying that i keep seeing from like places like the new york times uh journalists who write opinion pieces that are well like civil war pieces you know it's like we must crush the enemy Mm. we must drive them from their from their fields and pastures we must you know set set their homes ablaze and and it's like this is awful this is truly awful and that's what deplatforming seems to be a digital version of Mm. the war that's going on and it's like right okay they can you know if rush limbaugh dies great that you know he was a very influential conservative you know as a non-american i've never heard a word he said Mm. you know but now i'm seeing all of these lists of his you know, greatest hits uh, that offended the left. And I'm thinking, oh, he sounds pretty good, you know. Um, <laughs> funny, you know, shock job. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, the, but the point is, you know, like each deplatforming is a symbolic beheading, I think. Mm, yes. And it's not changing society outside of the internet. As you say, you know, these people still exist. Their fans still exist. No mind has been changed. And so they've, they've, what they've done is, like you say, you know, put the blinkers on and said, right, that, people, that person doesn't exist now. And therefore, all of the millions of people who are following them also don't exist mm-hmm. because it's all about my perception. And so it's their faulty view of the world that's leading them to say that the capital riots were a, a planned insurrection and things like this. Like, no, it was idiots. It, yeah. And, so, you know, idiots from the internet, in mm-hmm. fact, who, who did something stupid but they and they should be punished obviously for breaking the rules and for doing something stupid but this was not an attempt to overthrow the republic you are overegging this and the thing is i'm not even sure that they're being mendacious when they do it it might be that they have you know narrowed their horizons to a point where they actually genuinely believe this you know and that's the scary position we've got to Uh, we, we covered on the podcast today a new york times piece that was openly against the concept of critical thinking it was called don't go down the rabbit hole and and i'm not i'm not even joking. i'll send you a link to it after okay okay they, I, you you'll be amazed they were literally <laughs> saying don't read the primary sources because you might find things that disagree with like the previously your previously held beliefs and so just trust someone else who has read it to tell you what that is so wow. okay, that's yeah that's that's beyond the pale to me i think that's awful yeah, that's that's nuts. I mean, funnily enough, I was having this this discussion with my mom over the weekend where we were just um she's actually a former journalist. She used to be a journalist back in the 70s and the 80s. Um and actually, no, even after that 90s and early 1000s as well. And we were just talking about the way that journalism has changed and how journalists are now activists rather than people who seek the truth and present the truth. I mean, I've been thinking for a little while that there shouldn't really there shouldn't really be right wing news and left wing news right there should just be news and then you can have like you know right wing opinion pieces or pundits mm-hmm. and left wing opinion pieces and pundits but when it comes to the news itself yeah it really should be very nonpartisan because news should just be facts not you know tell me what happened don't tell me what i should think about what happened don't tell yeah. me what to think but and I think that um, that conflation, I think it's even worse in the USA, to be honest. I th- the UK has its problems. I think in the US, I mean, there's no what 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 news channel do you watch in the US if you just want, you know, pretty down the line or even what what paper do you read? Where would you go? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in the US, it's very openly partisan. Um, mm-hmm. In the UK, there isn't essentially a right wing news source. There, mm. we, we don't have a Fox News here. Um and so we essentially get some variant of left-wing filtered news. Mm. And people, I think, uh, the, the important thing that people should um, remember is that even if a, a news site were to say, look, we're going to give you um, just straight up, excuse me, straight up news, uh, we're not going to editorialize at all. And that might be true in the content of the article or the present presentation they've given you. Um, but remember, the, the, the process of choosing what to include and what not to include mm-hmm. is an editorial process in and of itself. Yes. And 
the political influence can be shown and demonstrated there to be even more powerful because it's one thing saying something that the reader knows not to be true it's another thing to not even let the reader know that there's something that they're being lied to about mm -hmm. and that's actually even more pernicious if you think about it it, it really then 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 you get the radical um sort of facts the hate facts that if 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 you were to say well look studies have shown that actually um there there is uh a, a, like a negative aspect to a certain kind of lifestyle mm -hmm. uh, but if this kind of lifestyle has only ever been presented in one fashion in the media and in the in the by the punditry by the politicians and it's not really an orthodoxy that's questioned when someone comes along with a ver scientifically verifiable fact and says well look this is this is something we should consider. This person will be treated like a heretic in the yes. same way that Galileo was treated by the church, in fact, when he suggested that actually maybe the earth isn't the center of the universe, yep. you know, and it's like, wow, what a, what a radical. Imprison that man. <laughs> and, and now we're at the same sort of position where there's a, an, a, and this is what the New York Times piece was so scary about because mm. the piece itself was designed to make you think, oh, I should be a defender of the orthodoxy as yes. if all of the answers are contained within. And it's not. It's always about what's left out and you don't know what's left out until you go down that rabbit hole and try and find it and then try and bring it back to the orthodoxy. And then you are like, uh, the, I, I don't know whether you're familiar with the allegory of Plato's cave. Yes, the, I am. The, 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 for anyone who's not, the idea is that um, Plato believed that we're essentially we're all uh, people trapped in caves where, where a light show is projecting shadows onto the wall. And so behind us, all we can see, uh, uh, we can't see anything behind us. We can all, all we can see are the shadows on the wall. And then if someone comes out of the cave and goes up to the, the real world, and it's like, oh, wow, I have to go and tell everyone about this. Goes back down. They will be treated as if they are saying ridiculous things, as if they're mad. You know, No, we know everything's just shadows on the wall. Why are you saying this? And it's, it is very much that same effect that happens with the sort of uh, media echo chambers that we all get into. We're all in some kind of echo chamber. And you really should do your due diligence and find political commentators and news sources from around the political spectrum and imbibe them all you know you, mm. you you really will do yourself like emotional damage if you only listen to things you already agree with and you already like and you know to be a source you trust like if you don't listen to the alternative narratives you won't even know what those narratives are and then when they finally conflict you'll hear things that you think are insane mm. and you won't be prepared for them and it will make you upset it will it will shake your worldview and mm. a person's worldview is a lot a lot to do with the sort of emotional equilibrium you know if they think the world is being run rightly and justly and then they find out that there's an orange fascist in the white house and oh this everything's like oh my god you know everything becomes terrifying and scary and yes. it's because of information they just weren't privy to prior yeah I, I, it's really interesting because i think that Prior to the age of the internet, I think we thought the problem was lack of access to information. Yeah. And I think the internet and social ma media has made it very clear that that is not the issue. And yep. the internet and social media is an interesting thing. I've got a very strong love-hate relationship with it, as I'm, as I'm sure you do. You know, we've both very yep. much benefited from it from benefited from it in many ways, and we are literally at this very moment. But do you think overall? When it comes to critical thinking, when it comes to um, unity and harmony and, I don't know, social and cultural sort of progression in the true sense, do you think it's made things, do you think it's been a net benefit or a net negative? It's a really difficult question to answer. Um, and it, it may be that it's just too soon to answer mm -hmm. that question because people forget because People, people forget that social media is really, really young. Yeah. Uh, they, like it was Twitter was founded in 2006, something mm -hmm. like that. Yep. Uh, YouTube, same sort of era. Um, mm -hmm. And so what we've had 14 years, 15 years. I mean, I've got shirts that are older than the internet, social media, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it, the, the, the consequence of social media is difficult to ascertain clearly and with certainty but i think what we can be sure of is that social media has become an accelerating factor yes. um, it's 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 been an accelerant it has made and one one another interesting thing as well is that it has shifted politics into the domain of uh, reflection only because all we can do is talk to each other 
We can't mm. take actions. You know, we we can't and and that that actually takes away virtue ethics and consequentialism from the political debate, which is instead the reflective aspect of politics, which which benefits certain kinds of theories like left wing theories are very much in the realm of political correctness so they can predefine the correct politics and then complain that the world doesn't represent this whereas if you have different kinds of politics and different kinds of moral systems you you may find actually prior reflection is not as important as the act itself or the end result and they get kind of locked out of the conversation because you can't make something happen if you're just typing on a keyboard that's not mm -hmm. what that is um but the but the accelerating factor i think is something that's actually driving society apart and what it allows is a disparate group of people from all around the world and this could be millions of people who are in thousands of different cities who are in hundreds of thousands if not millions of different friend groups who otherwise wouldn't have been able to become radical because their friends would have been like knock off joe you know we don't, we yeah. don't care about whatever you know the the one percent we don't care about you know the jews or whatever it is that the, the mm -hmm. particular thing and mm -hmm. they, they would have that curbed because of other influences but instead now millions of people can go to an online forum of some form or another and get validation for the things they believe and but not only that like delve deeper into the subject and find access to things they otherwise didn't know and the you know things that essentially confirm their biases and yeah. so it, it makes the position stronger and it attracts more people to it and we lose this kind of overriding sense of like national coherence because i mean if you go back like 30 years there, there weren't very many tv channels you could watch there weren't really very many uh, a very wide array of opinions that you could hear and ideas that would spark you off on a rat you know down a rabbit hole and the internet has opened this up now the, the, this kind of democratization of information is a good thing you know mm -hmm. it's 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 better for the security of the individual to make sure that they can be able to challenge like china's narrative on the uyghurs for example yes, right yes. The, 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 it's it's unquestionable that this is a a net benefit but right the, then there's always a but everything comes with a high price anything like this comes with a high price and one of those prices is it makes it so that different groups can't really talk to each other and they come to hate each other and stigmatize each other and we get the kind of balkanization of society mm -hmm. along and it's and it's not just in politics politics is the most obvious place where it matters sure. but i see that i see this in like fandoms i see <laughs> yeah. fandoms that hate each other like yeah. and i'm just like what on earth do the harry potter fans have against you know whatever you know mm. why do the star trek fans hate the star wars fans <laughs> like <laughs> yeah you know oh, but, just uh, xbox versus playstation pc versus console i mean if you want yeah. a real example right now the whole you know the response to this whole situation right the yeah the you know pro-vaccination people versus yes. the people who don't want to take it even if you know not not even specifically so-called anti-vax just no i'm not interested in this one or people yeah. who don't think there should be a mask mandate versus people yeah. who do and that's creating you know, a whole nother level of tribalization. I think this time mm. last year, you know, people were still peddling the we're all in this together line. And I'm like, no, we're not. When people say that to me now, I'm like, no, we're not. We're actually, yeah, just, we're actually just not, you yeah. know, like we just, we have, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have, we have actually quite polar opposite, different <laughs> yeah, ideas yeah. of what, you know, yeah, if yeah. you're pushing for mandatory vaccinations and passports and, yeah. you know, mandatory masks and whatever, I'm, yeah. I'm opposing you. Like, you were, yeah, yeah. You did, did you see, did you see the leaked footage of the teachers in, a, I think it was California, who didn't realize their, their teacher meeting was being broadcast to the internet. And they were basically saying things like, well, these parents, these lazy parents just want us to babysit their kids all day. It's like, yes. Yes, I want them. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's why you're paid by the state to babysit my kids and teach them maths and English. Yeah, and yeah exactly. That's exactly what I want. And yeah. and these people are being totally condescending. But it's like, you can see now, we're not in the same boat because I am very interested in getting my kids back to school. Yeah. And the teachers are very interested in being furloughed with a guaranteed wage. Exactly. You know? exactly. Sorry. No, you don't get your guaranteed wage if you're not yeah. teaching my kids. End of story, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. What's been your biggest realization over the past year? I feel like I've learned a lot over the past year. Mm. I think most of it is actually negative. But yes. um, what, what, what are the one or two biggest things you've sort of learned over the past year? Uh, that's a good question. I think the things that I found most surprising are the mask off moments that have been coming from the establishment where they 
normally there is a, a fig leaf put before us because the the fig leaf disguises the real dynamics of power that happen behind the scenes and the fig leaf is is the moral justification for these things and this requires consensus and it requires goodwill on both sides and that's what holds democracy together is this fig leaf mm -hmm. and it was the deplatforming of donald trump that made me realize right the the fig leaf is gone the mask didn't just slip they just like well you know what we don't need this yep. you know uh we we actually just realized we can get rid of the president of the united states from the internet yes if we choose mm -hmm. and so they all did yep. and it's like right okay that's that's going to go down in the history books that's going to be something that in 50 100 years time historians look back on who are not emotionally invested in orange man bad or good yep. that who don't care about the the political tr turmoils at the time and haven't got any uh, horse in the race and just say well that was a really important thing where mm. all of silicon valley got together and decided yeah no more donald trump no more president yeah. of the united states just because we uh, we don't like him that that's that kind of mask off like real politique melian dialogue sort of you know where where it really comes to the end mm -hmm. and you realize that actually you don't have a moral claim in there yes. you know because normally you'd say well i have a moral claim to be on the internet because of i'm i'm you know, I'm, I'm a citizen going yeah. around i'm the president <laughs> and they say yeah but we're the ones with the switch yeah off and Dangerous. so that that to me it seems like that is going to be significant in the future and conservatives generally should be aware that if they can do it to the president they can do it to anyone Anybody. and there's no recourse under law mm -hmm. so that's it makes for interesting times at the very yeah. least. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy in the States because they did have the opportunity to address this issue. Yes. And they sort of floated around with it and they paid lip service to it, but ultimately they didn't do anything and that came back to bite the Republicans, really. Didn't it just? And the thing is, a lot of people are very critical of the Trump administration for not moving more solidly on this. Mm. But the thing is, before it happened... If if I told you like a week before Trump was deplatformed from everything, mm -hmm. that the president is going to get deplatformed from everything, you'd say there's no way they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. They need uh, him for me, this. Me 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 personally, I wouldn't have put it past them. Okay, yeah, but like the average person, them. you know, yeah. like the, the, it would be no way. That's outside of the bounds of normality. And then suddenly, mm -hmm. boom, there we are. This is now normality. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it happened to Alex Jones. It happened to like Gavin McGuinness. Happened to a bunch of you know, happened you to know, the, the white nationalists. They all get deplatformed mm -hmm. and things like this. It's like okay, yeah okay, you've got excuses, you've got reasons, and now it's the President of the United States, and what now? You know, where where isn't, uh, where where is not a, a, an option to be deplatformed? Mm -hmm. Who isn't? You know, what yeah. position? Um, yeah, so, and yeah, that's I'm, the thing that, the, the thing I always find most disturbing about stuff like that, actually, is, it's kind of the thing I find most disturbing about the lockdowns and the extreme restrictions in the UK, and this is the people celebrating it and advocating for it. It's right. I'm almost less disturbed. I'm kind of like, you know, Silicon Valley is going to Silicon Valley. Government's going to government. State's going to state. But when people I'm seeing people like on mass celebrating and cheering for this thing. And I'm I'm like, do you not understand the implications of this? Right. Yeah. Like think people are so stuck on orange man bad that they cannot separate the individual from the concept and the principle. I'm very much, I, I think very much in principles. So mm -hmm. even if that had happened to, you know, if it happened to Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, someone I don't, Bernie Sanders. you know, like Bernie, yeah, I would have been like, no, that's, yeah. that's a bad look. Like I, one, I mean, I remember speaking out when um they were doing those democratic presidential debates and they, um w what happened? There was some, that thing that happened with Bernie Sanders where they basically accused him of being sexist Yep, and, and claimed uh, that he's, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't remember the exact well, details, but Elizabeth in, in, Warren claimed he was being sexist and then they didn't really give him a chance yeah. to, they, they sort of railroaded him. And I was and like, that's not cool. Th this had happened previously with Bernie as well. Mm. In 2016, uh, Hillary Clinton definitely snaked the nomination from him mm. um, when she, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, I think it was, uh, or no, Herman Cain, sorry, was the president of the DNC. He res resigned from that just before the primaries, took taken over by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and there were a couple of others as well who ended up funneling the questions to the Clinton campaign. Mm -hmm. Herman Cain, was it Herman Cain? 
no, it's the wrong Kane. It's some, Herman, some Kane's Re- Kane. Herman Kane's Republican, isn't he? Yeah, it's Kane, the other yeah. one. Um, I can't remember his name off the top okay. of my head. Uh, but he, a chap called Kane, he became the running mate uh, of Hillary Clinton. And you can see that they had essentially maneuvered things within the party mm-hmm. Is it to go around Bernie. And they and then the, then there was a bunch of leaked emails mm-hmm. about how um, uh, the they had essentially planned a smear campaign to smear Bernie as an atheist. Uh, because okay. this is not something that goes down well with the American electorate, apparently. Mm, interesting. And... So they, they had a plan, essentially, to to keep him out of the nomination. And it's like, this is all really gross. And I remember covering it at the time because, it's like, look, I'm not a socialist. I don't support yeah. Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I think he's a well-meaning idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think he should be cheated. You know, that's the exactly. last thing I want to see because the process itself is yeah. deeply important. You know, mm-hmm. it's how we know that we're doing the right thing if we, you know, we by doing the right thing. And so watching, uh, watching the sort of rise of the Clintonian faction, which I, I include Joe Biden in, of course, you know, mm-hmm. Bernie being on the outside of that. I mean, it was kind of embarrassing that Bernie went to Biden's inauguration, to be honest. It's like, dude, they did this to you. you know? Yeah, <laughs> they, I guess. You're surrounded by people who snaked you. Mm-hmm. You should, you should not have been there. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, it's not just a left or right thing. No, it's not. I, I have a general rule and idea on these things, which is that, you know, which is why it disturbs me when people celebrate these Tim things. Tim Kaine, I and, think it was, sorry. Yeah, Tim Kaine, just, yeah. yeah. I think um, I, I have a general sort of rule and policy and principle of don't bring weapons to the party that you don't want yeah. used against you, Yeah. right? So yep. if you're celebrating when your opponents get deplatformed or censored or even physically attacked, Right. If you are celebrating that, then I'm like that sets off my alarm bells because I'm like, well, that weapon can be in, used against you. If you give them a certain power or you make something acceptable, then you then don't have a leg to stand on and not be a hypocrite when that same thing gets used against you. So that's why, you know, I can understand from a human perspective if you really don't like someone or you disagree with them or whatever. I can understand the sort of like you know joy schadenfreude of seeing them lose their platform or you know some misfortune happens to them but i think that if people want to be decent and fair and have like a healthy society people need to resist that urge and i think one thing that would make society a lot better and make all these conversations a lot better actually is people defending their enemies more or defending yeah. their, let me say opponents, let me not say enemies, defending their opponents more. I don't really think, I think considering opponents as enemies is one of the problems, but just being willing to, you know what, I don't even agree with this person, but what happened to them is not right. And being willing to say that, right? I don't, Some if someone doesn't like Donald Trump, you know what, they can say, I don't, I don't like Trump, I'm not going to vote for him, I didn't vote for him or whatever, but it's messed up. What happened to him in terms of deplatforming? Like that's that's messed up, and that's a bad precedent. If yeah, they can not, do it not to Trump, one of these, not one of yeah. these people would want the same process to be applied to them. Ex- of course, so not. you shouldn't you shouldn't want it applied to anyone else because exactly the, the the problem is the process. You know, yes. it's it's not who it's being done to. And yeah. I, I think you're exactly right. And you know what's interesting is I I find I I do occasionally ask whenever i get the opportunity to speak to a radical activist of either stripe, uh, I get the, I, I ask them you know to steel man their opponent's position you know mm-hmm. what what do you think is good and what do you think they think is the the positive representation of what they're saying and it, it's often very difficult for these often extremely online people mm-hmm. uh to do and that's very interesting because all of the information is there right you just have to spend a bit of time reading their forums reading their blog posts and their t- social media posts and things like this yeah. to to see what they think is good about the worldview they're presenting is often not hidden it's not concealed. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, what they lead with because they're trying to get attention with it. And uh, and it's amazing how often they just can't do it. And so it's very interesting how, like you were saying, like, we're just we're just not hearing each other, you mm-hmm. know. And I I mean, this probably is a consequence of social media. And I I don't think it bodes well. I'm yeah. really, really quite. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, where where yeah. do you think it where do you think it goes from here? Is your overall view? Yeah. What are you pessimistic about and what are you optimistic about? I think that the deplatforming of Donald Trump was a kind of like a a bursting of a dam. Mm-hmm. And I think that the tool of deplatforming will be used more frequently uh, against almost everyone who finds themselves outside of a certain kind of narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can consider themselves to be in the, in the crosshairs to be targeted. Um, eventually sooner or later and this goes for like people on the left as well because remember the rules change right the rules 
have been changing a lot over the past five years. They're very, very different to how they were five years ago. Um, and not for the better, for the more restrictive and for the less permissive. Yes. And you may well find yourself on the raw end of a Twitter mob that's found an old tweet of yours from like 10 years ago and is now here to cancel you. Mm -hmm. And it would be better morally and practically to be ahead of that and say, hang on, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. You know, maybe, and, and the, what's interesting is I, back in like, I think it was 2000 and I don't know, it's been 2009 that Twitter was the free speech wing of the free speech party, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, wow, that <laughs> 12 years, 12 years it took. Mm -hmm. uh, and Jack Dorsey, even in his interview in 2019 with Joe Rogan, uh, said that he believes that social media is a right and it's like right okay so two years ago social media is a right mm -hmm. and then two years later the president of the united states has no right to social media yep and it's like right okay that's that that is a paradigm shift that's something mm -hmm. completely different that is going mm -hmm. on in their heads from social media is a right and surely you're not going to take away these rights jack dorsey yeah. to no no no, we don't need the president and everyone else agrees we don't need the president and mm -hmm. so the, these these things change and i'm not very optimistic i think it is actually going to get worse before it gets better so okay. um i think that the the rise of non-silicon valley social media platforms if you are someone who likes using social media and following uh, content creators who I guess we can describe as unauthorized, mm -hmm. um, that's the best place to find them. I think it is probably going to be necessary if you want to hear from the other side of the political conversation. And it looks like two parallel societies are going to spring up, the conservative mm -hmm. and the, the left, the liberal, uh, liberal society, uh, yeah. where they they hopefully one is more tolerant than the other mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm seeing concerning rumblings in the conservative alternative online media space uh, an alternative media space where they they are going to be not permissive of left-wing thought in the same way that the left is not permissive of right-wing thought mm -hmm. and i think that would be a mistake i think that would definitely be a mistake as unpalatable yeah. as the leftists uh, mm -hmm. might be and as awful as their thoughts might be there probably should be room on your platform for them. And I think that would be to your, your credits to have them there. And it's, that's the failing of the Silicon Valley platforms. So yeah. don't, don't mimic that in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And I think that's a, I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up, Carl, man. Thanks, Thank man. you so much for coming on the show. I'd love to have you back on in the future. Um, but before we go, where can where's the best place for people to find you online these days? Right. Well, the best place is probably uh, lotusseaters.com, uh, which uh, we've got loads of regular news content. We've got um, premium content where it's lots of analysis. We're, we're quite lucky that we're quite well connected with a bunch of people. So we've got um, lots of academics who... Okay. Uh, quite lo looking for a place because academia is quite stultified with political mm. correctness at the moment who they're, they're looking for places where they can actually publish unorthodox thoughts and so we i mean for example we've got an article up today by uh, dr john tang tangney uh, who's a an irish um professor of uh, doctor of renaissance uh, literature who mm. was explaining how macron complaining about the the woke invasion uh, woke ideology from america is rather ironic because it was the french that developed woke ideology in the it 70s was, yeah, it was. <laughs> exactly and and because he's a, a, a an expert in the field he's he's done an amazing article there and so it's we get lots of things like that um alternatively you can just uh, search for the podcast of the lotus eaters and listen to us on a daily basis if that uh, takes your fancy awesome carl benjamin thank you very much for coming on the show man it's been a thank, pleasure talking thank to you, you so always. much for having me man I've, I've really enjoyed it awesome i am the man sick with the slang sick and i'm destined for fame do for the fam not for the grand stunt me a destiny for pain i do not front i do not scam put some respect on my name sick like a bane click and i bang y'all gonna remember the name y'all gonna remember the name without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done